Glad to see you guys here today. Thank you. The song's great this morning. Uh, It's not Sunday morning without a horn honking, I think. Uh, I was thinking about worship this morning and... uh, as as well as they played their instruments and as nice as the singing was and and i and i really enjoyed he- hearing all of you sing uh you know that's not what it's about it really is about uh you and i focusing on the lord in worship and uh and making an offering and saying god here's something i can do for you uh, and that uh, we would then pray that it would be pleasing to God. Uh, not because we're singing on key or not, although I don't think I heard anybody not on key. Uh, not that I would know the difference. But that it really is about giving God the condition of our heart and focusing on him uh, in worship. And so uh, worship is incredibly important in that regard because it's a time that as a church we can focus on on God. Uh, we are continuing in the heart attitudes and, and really talking about uh, having a heart that, that desires to strive for peace and really having to do with, with making our relationships with other people right. And, and every time I talk about this, uh, it gets hard because before I can talk to you guys about it, I have to do what I'm going to tell you guys to do. I have to stop and think, how am I in regard to my relationship with others? Uh, And so uh, if it gets a little uncomfortable because of that, know that that's where I'm at too. Forgiveness and repentance are a key aspect of any healthy church. But when is enough forgiveness, maybe too much forgiveness? It's like, well, wait a minute. What are you talking about? Uh, In a uh, journal article, and this is entitled Judging Extreme Forgivers, how victims are perceived when they are they forgive the unforgivable and that in that study that was done by psychologists uh, they basically came to this conclusion forgiveness is generally considered to be a virtue and those who forgive are often seen as in a positive light Yet there may be limits, however, to too much forgiveness when it's perceived uh, might be limited as a good thing. When the victims of particularly heinous crimes such as murder of children, kidnapping, torture, uh, when they forgive, it actually engenders uh, violence. 
they're not always judged as being virtuous or wise when they forgive. That, that, that has this idea that, that maybe there would be a limit to how much forgiveness would be okay. And so kind of this, this fear if, that if you are too forgiving, that you are going to be judged by other people. And I have a feeling that if you think about that, you're like, well, at some point, do I really need to forgive these people again or still? Or what they really did was too much for me to forgive them. Yet, Scripture has a lot to say about this very thing. Meaning that, that God's forgiveness for us isn't limited to what might be culturally acceptable and worthy of forgiveness. And so we're going to talk about clearing up relationships with others. And when there's conflict, uh, that would mean, you know, some sort of, of problem. What am I going to do to make that relationship right? This includes times when I know there's conflict or times when I'm not sure what the conflict is, but I know there's like something between us, right? You, you guys know what I'm talking about. Like, what's going on? <laughs> it seemed like that was a bit odd. And that I have a responsibility to make those relationships right as well. So in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus speaking on this very thing, Starting in verse 23, he says, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Okay, did you guys catch that? That... This is an incredible eye-opener when you understand what it's saying. That healthy relationships are so integral to our faith that they take precedence over worship. You see, that's like counter-culture. That's certainly counter-church culture. Where in church culture, we kind of have this idea that the highest good is when we gather on Sunday and we sing songs that are really nice and we feel good and we, we got to visit and, and, and we walk out going, yes, that was awesome. And yet when I read scripture, it says that before when I'm gathered and we're, we're like, hey, we're going to sing a song. You guys ready? Everybody stand up and worship. And you're like, wait a minute. I remember that instance with my brother, my sister, where, where things got a little awkward and I haven't made that relationship right. That it's more important that I go make that relationship right than I stand there and, and sing a nice song to God. That's how important a healthy relationship within the church is. Jesus, when he was talking is recorded in the book of Mark. He says, whenever you stand up praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespass. Now, I'm going to take Jesus at his word because that's what we're supposed to do. It says, 
when you, you stand up and you pray. So there's this, this picture of someone standing to pray and, and, and culturally that may not be how you, well, when I pray, I don't stand up and pray. Maybe I kneel and pray. I go into my room uh, by myself and pray. But, but ultimately it's this picture of worship. That when you're going to come before the Lord in worship, in prayer, in petition, in intercession, in thanksgiving, he says, when you remember that your brother has something against you, right? Whatever what's going on, first thing you need to do is forgive. Now, here's the hard part. I don't know all the things that, that have gone on in your life. That, that you have dealt with in the past or that you have, have struggled with, that you're dealing with right now. And it's really easy for me to stand here and say, okay, everybody, let's just do this. Everybody just, just set it out there. Just say, I forgive and be done with it. And that can be easy in a lot of things. There's some things that are so easy to forgive. All right, I was waiting in line and someone took a little too long getting their coffee and, and it's okay, I forgive you. Okay, I can forgive that really quick. Okay, I do like coffee, I'll be honest. But I can forgive that really quick. It, but there are some things that have gone on and people have hurt us tremendously. Yet, I don't think it has to do with the degree in which you've been hurt that you're supposed to first and foremost just forgive. We'll talk about that some more. And so there's this idea that, well, if I'm the one who messed up, I can go ask for forgiveness. But what about when I've been hurt? And so Jesus, understanding you're going to have this, this dilemma, right? What about when I'm the one that's hurt? He deals with it. In Matthew 18, he talks about it in detail. Starting in verse 15, he says, if your brother sins against you, Go and tell him his fault. So first of all, qualify. Brother means fellow Christian, church member. Uh, that's the context in which we're talking. If your brother sins against you, in some way commits some offense that, that you know they're in the wrong, he says, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone. If he listens, you've gained your brother. But if he does not listen... Take one or two others with you that every change may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Sorry, I said change, it's charge. Every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So if they don't listen, you, they got to get a job with the IRS, I think. That's not what it says. This is a pretty detailed process. It, it's not only detailed, it demonstrates the importance of making relationships right. Right, so, so first of all, you go, well, I've got a list of the way I'm to proceed. But it really ought to get you thinking how important it is 
that your relationships with others are right. So, so let's just talk through that process. First of all, he says, if your brother sins against you. So brothers, sisters, it's that uh, uh, non-gendered sibling uh, situation. It doesn't matter who it was that when they have offended you in some way, your job is not to pretend it didn't happen. Your job is not to go talk about it with everybody else. You know what they did to me? Do you know what they said? Do you know how that hurt me? Now, I was so surprised after, after being a young Christian and taking scripture at its word that when I pastored a church for the first time, I had a phone call during the week and said, that was our last Sunday. We won't be back. And I said, okay, what's going on? Are you moving? I mean, that, why else would you be leaving? And they said, they said, well, we don't want to talk about it. Well, huh? I don't understand. So you're not moving. You're just not ever coming back. Eventually what I found out, and it took a while because this process wasn't followed at all. What I found out was that someone said something to the wife. It wasn't me. It wasn't a leader in our church. Someone said something that hurt her feelings. And that was it. And now I understand because I get my feelings hurt all the time too. But my goal would be that I wouldn't make a decision in regard to the community of believers and in my relationship with the Lord based on the way I feel. Because if I haven't told you this yet, my feelings change based on how good of a sleep I got last night or, or based on if I had a good breakfast or if I had a cup of coffee. So I'm not going to make important decisions based on my feelings, but I do understand that people get their feelings hurt. And rightly so, their feelings were hurt for a reason. And yet, if, if she had come to me or gone to the person that had said it, I bet we could have resolved it very quickly. But that's not what happened. I'm supposed to go directly to the person, not anybody else. Now, there's, there, that's hard because there's times the person I want to go talk to is my wife or I want to go talk to my friend, my, my social group and say, do you know what they did? Do you know how they did it? Do you know why it hurt me? Because I want people to put their arm around me, pat me on the back and say, you're right. We sympathize with you. You're fine in being mad about this, right? I want people to tell me it's okay to be mad instead of, hey, how about I go make this right? How about I go and say, you know, you may not be aware, but this kind of hurt. Typically, now I'm saying typically, I don't have any statistics on this, but I've got some experience. Typically, you don't have to go past step one, right? That, that in step one, you go to the person and they're like, I didn't even realize what I said. Or they say, yeah, you're right, and I, it came across wrong. Or I said it, I was in a bad mood, I'm sorry, I took it out on you and didn't mean it. Or I meant it, 
but it shouldn't have. Or, hey, can we work it out? Right? So normally, step one covers 95, if not greater, percent of all the incidents where, where I'm being offended in some way. This would cover it. If believers would take this responsibility seriously, that, that it's not okay just to pretend it didn't happen. So you guys know what happens when you pretend it didn't happen, right? So it's, it's that splinter that, that gets under your nail and, and eventually it, it festers and, and it makes the situation far worse than it would have been if you just removed it from the start, right? So the infection doesn't spread. It doesn't just spread in your own life where you blow up at the person at some point. It spreads to those around you because your bitterness and anger starts to affect others. You go to directly to the person alone. Can we work this out? Step two, he says, well, okay, look, if you go to the person and they go, tough, deal with it, man up. What do you mean I hurt your feelings? Can't handle that. You're not going to make it in this world. I'm trying to make it in the church. What are you talking about? And so he says, look, if, if they blow you off, if they won't listen, then he says, well, you take one or two others. Now, look, you got to be careful. You're not just gathering a posse to round up the bad guy, but that's what it could look like. So you got to be really careful in how this is done. It, it probably means the one person you go to is a spiritually mature believer that their response to you will be first to say, did you go talk to them? I can't tell you how often I've had a leader in the church tell me, so-and-so's mad. And I said, they didn't come talk to me. And he goes, yeah, that's why I'm telling you. No, 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 no. That's not what scripture says. Scripture says if they're mad at me, then they're to come talk to me. So if they went to talk to you without talking to me, you didn't send them to me. Right? That's what scripture says. So you need to make sure if you're the one going to someone else, you go to a mature believer that their first response is, did you go talk to them? That they're going to follow scripture. Because there's always someone that, that if you go talk to them, they appreciate being included. I didn't know. They made you mad? Cool, I'm in on this. They're, that's not a good situation to be in. Because instead of following scripture and getting someone to, to guide you in what God's word says, instead, you've started grabbing pitchforks and, and gathered people to go as a mob. Yeah, let's get some more guys. We can handle this. You don't want that. You want someone who says, let's honor God first. Let's make sure we do this the right way. So together you go and you try and make it right. And then the third step still doesn't work. It says, take it to the church. This might be where you go to the pastor, you go to the board, you go to your, your ministry leader. 
And, and maybe that's who you took to begin with, that step two, but, but that's where you go. And so I'd be careful. I've heard people interpret this as in someone stands up on a Sunday morning and say, I have an accusation and he hasn't listened to me. And he didn't listen to us, and so now I'm taking it to all of you. There he is, and point, start pointing fingers. That's probably not healthy for the church or the person you're trying to help. The, the purpose of this kind of correction is always restoration. But I guarantee if you stand up Sunday morning and start pointing fingers, there's no restoration. So instead, it ought to be, let me go to my pastor let me go to the, the board. Let me go to the ministry leader and go, you know, we've, we've tried to do this biblically and we're, we're, we're still having problems. Can you help us with this? And, and then it's going to be done in a, a, the correct way. The response that the church would have, if, if right, it's done correctly. And then the person says, I don't care. By the way, I've had that happen. Where someone said, no, I still disagree with you. I'm still not going to do what you say, pastor. Okay, well, scripture's clear on what I'm supposed to do. We don't kick them out, right? There's no such thing as excommunication in scripture. It says we treat them like they're not a believer. Does it mean they are? I, I don't know. That's between them and God. It means my job is to now treat them as if, well... They just visited the first Sunday, which means they can't be leading a ministry. They can't be leading a small group. They can't, right? That, that's what we would do if someone just showed up on the first Sunday. So there is a process. So step two and step three, the majority of us will never have to deal with, or at least very seldom in the walk with the Lord, right? Because typically when I go to them and say, we've got a problem, we work it out. Here's the issue and why we spend time talking about this. It's because in the great many of churches around the country, that's not how we handle any kind of conflict in the church. We don't go to them. Going to our brother should always be done carefully and with love. So, this is hard when your feelings have been hurt. Yet we're supposed to do it carefully and with love. If the point is restoration and to restore a relationship that honors God, it has to be done that way. Ephesians 4.32, Paul writes this. He says, be kind to one another, right? Within the church, be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Those words are so important that in our relationships, whether we've been offended, we're working things out, we're to be kind. But my feelings are hurt. It's really hard to be kind. Yep, I know. Be kind. He says, be tenderhearted. I don't know about you. I don't know that I've often been described as tenderhearted. Yet that's what... Scripture tells me I'm supposed to be with my brothers and sisters in the church. I'm supposed to be tender-hearted. What does that mean to be tender-hearted? Doesn't that mean my heart can be hurt? It's tender. 
It, it means to not have a hard heart. To not be jaded and cynical in regard to my relationship with other Christians. That's how the world is. No, we're in the church. That's not how the, the church is. And so we're to treat each other with love and respect. And he says, forgiving one another. And so within that context, we're to forgive. In Luke 17, he says, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. And so someone hurts your feelings, someone says something, does something, and they go, I kind of messed up. Will you forgive me? You know what your response is supposed to be? I forgive you. We're not always the best judge of what real repentance looks like, right? I mean, sometimes you can see it so clearly. They have a repentant heart. They didn't just say, sorry. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, very public disgrace that you could track down, whether it's been, uh, you know, politicians, other leaders, uh, corporate leaders, or in the church. And typically it's, I got caught, so now forgive me. By the way, that's not repentance, right? Repentance looks very different. And so because we're not always the best judge of what true repentance looks like, we're really only talking about relationships in the church. Jesus isn't talking about responding the government responding to criminals, right? That if a criminal confesses either guilt or repentance, the consequences for their crime is still, excuse me, is still there. So this kind of, of forgiveness isn't related to what the government should do. I bring that up because it comes up a lot. Christians are like, well, they're repentant. They said they were repentant. Shouldn't the government, shouldn't the courts forgive them somehow? This isn't in regard to that. In fact, what scripture says clearly the job of the government is, is to be a terror to those who do evil. Romans 13, 3. So, this is a Christian response within the church to one another. And, and let's be clear why this is going on. We forgive because God forgave us. That's it. So Peter, wanting to uh, sound like he really got a hold of this, uh, Matthew 18, 21, uh, Peter came up to him, him being Jesus, Lord, how often will my, will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him as many as seven times, because that was kind of the standard, seven, that's it, eight, you're done. I don't need to forgive you again. Because as many as seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. 
Well, depending on the translation you're reading from, that will be translated as 77 times or 70 times 7. All right, so this is really important because that's the limit, right? So I need to make sure, is it 77 times or is it 490 times? 70 times 7. It's not even the point. By the way, I think the translation is because we misunderstood Greek that it's 70 times plus 7 is what it's supposed to say. But in translations, they say 70 times 7. That many times and seven more. The point of it isn't whether it's 77 or 490. It basically is there's no limit. There's no limit to when someone says, I really messed up. Will you forgive me? That we go, you know what? I've forgiven you enough. I'm done. Since we've been forgiven so much, we are to forgive unconditionally. What does unconditionally mean? I forgive when they're repentant. I forgive if they apologize the right way. I don't think that apology really counted. Or is my forgiveness based on the one that I have been forgiven from? It's because I've been forgiven so much, my job is to forgive. Jesus used uh, this parable. It's kind of long. I I won't read all of it. Uh, Starting in verse 23, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him uh, 10,000 talents. And if you do the math on this, I mean, this is so much he could never hope to repay it. This is it. You can't even repay this. His master ordered him to be sold, right? Basically debtor's prison that he would have to serve the rest of his life. It says with his wife and his children and all he had, so payment could be made. The servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me. I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant The master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Basically the, the price of a cup of coffee. He seized him. He began to choke him. Pay what you owe. So you could see the extremes here. You owed so much, you never have the hope of ever paying for it yourself. There's no possible way that you could ever repay that debt. I'm curious how he got into that debt. But I know it's a parable, so I know how. And he owed so much. And he was forgiven, wiped away, totally debt-free. And the instance he walks out, he's thinking... I got a couple bucks. I really need to get a cup of coffee. And he sees someone. Not only does he say, hey, you got the money you owe me? He gets physical and violent. Give me what you owe me. Now, the whole point of this is that 
The master who we owe so much to is God. For every sin we have committed is an offense to which we have no hope of ever repaying. There's no way. And because you can't do enough good to outweigh one sin, the only way we can be forgiven is forgiveness, God's grace. That God loved us enough that he forgave our sin, that we might believe in him and be saved. And the moral of the parable is so clear. Then to turn around someone who said something and hurt our feelings and that we can't be willing to forgive. We forgive unconditionally because we have been forgiven so much. All right, so I have some next steps for you today. My next step today is to pray through my relationships and make right any that need it. This might be huge. If this isn't something you have done regularly, then there might be a large list that you need to call some people. You need to call someone up and say, can we meet? Can we talk? I I realize that some of these might be as simple as, hey, I, I... I think I kind of crossed the line here or, or I think, you know, maybe there's something going on and it may not be that big of a deal. When I was a, uh, a new believer, I was at a, a Bible study and uh, it, it, the opportunity came up to make a joke and I took it and I thought it was really good. And then afterward I went, I think I made a joke at someone else's expense and I felt really bad about it. And because I had read these verses recently, I went, oh no, scripture's clear. I have to go back and make it right. So, so I, I got on the phone and, and the young lady that I had made the joke at her expense, I called her up and I said, I, you know, I'm sorry, you know, I said this and, and, and that was uncalled for. And she said, I don't even remember. So I was grateful that I hadn't hurt her in a way that that actually she even remembered. But my response wasn't based on her remembering or the depth of the pain she might or might not have been in. My going to make it right was based on my understanding that I had done something over the line. Right? That if I cross the line, I need to ask for forgiveness. And the way I understand this is that I need to be the one to ask for forgiveness and I need to be the one to give it freely. That's the second one. My next step today is to forgive any offense given me, even if I haven't been asked. This is hard. It's because there's people that are no longer with us that are maybe no longer in our life. They're not the ones that we see regularly calling us up going, man, I really blew it. Can you forgive me? You may not have a connection with these people anymore. And yet your response isn't even so much about them as it is about you and your relationship with the Lord. That's why this is hard. 
Because in my walk with the Lord, my job is to understand how much I have been forgiven and in turn to give that forgiveness. I don't know your situation and I don't know the depths of the pain that you have endured. Yet, God does. And when Jesus made that statement about forgiveness, he knew the pain you have endured. And he still said our responsibility is to forgive. And so the, the, the last word on that, uh, we're to forgive. We're to honor God. We're to trust him that he can work with that. And if, and if you're like, I don't really feel like forgiving, then that's what you take to the Lord and trust he knows what to do with that too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you are a God who loved us so much that you sent your son to die that we might believe and be saved. And we're like that servant that owed his master so much he never had any hope of being able to repay it. That's us. There is no way we could do anything. There's not enough good we could try to do. There's no works that we could do that could erase the sin we have committed against you. Yet in your mercy, your grace, and your love for us, you're the one that provided a way. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I understand my brothers and sisters here that, that some of us are dealing with some, some deep stuff. It's tough and it's hard. And, and here's this, the, this preacher saying, you got to forgive. He doesn't know what I'm dealing with. And Father, we trust you that you do. You know the depths of our pain. You know how much we have been hurt and you know how much we've hurt others. Father, work in our lives that today would be maybe the first day, maybe, maybe ongoing, that we're going to take those steps to make things right, to honor you. Help us to forgive. Help us to ask for forgiveness. That our relationships would be healthy and that this would be a church that it would be obvious, our love for one another, that we're not just burying uh, those, those grievances, but, but clearing up relationships to make them right, that we would honor you. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.